Hello, dear listener. I have a question for you. Do companies really care about diversity or is it just one big virtue signal? That's something that we discussed around the virtual water cooler here at Proactive Talent. And our banter amongst ourselves became so lively that we decided to create a podcast where we discussed the various issues around diversity. Um, and actually, it all kind of started around the controversy with the company Basecamp. Have you heard of this controversy? In case you hadn't, uh, Basecamp is a company in Silicon Valley that declared its workspace to be a politics-free zone. Uh, and that <laughs> caused a furor, <laughs> a trending furor, uh, across social media. Now, there was more to the situation than just canceling uh, politics, but that's what everybody focused on. Um, well, anyway, right after a brief message, you will uh, be able to listen in on the banter at our virtual water cooler <laughs> around diversity, do companies really care? And we also touch on the controversies that happened recently at Basecamp. Tune in. This one is very interesting. listening to Tribe Pod, a podcast series of interviews of interest to the HR community. It is hosted by Courtney Lane, produced by Jim Stroud, sponsored by Proactive Talent, and enjoyed by you. Today's episode begins right after this. Recruitment marketing, as compared to maybe employer branding, is all about getting your message and your story in front of the right audience. It's a lot to manage. And what Practive Talent does for our clients is we help centralize. So you have one partner, one vendor to help you manage all those relationships. And not only that, we help you track the effectiveness of every media dollar you spend on hiring so that you know in real time that you're getting the greatest ROI for your marketing investment to attract great talent into your company. We help our clients with recruitment marketing in a couple ways. One is in recruitment marketing strategy. And with that, we really take the time to help you build the right strategy. And then we get mutual approval on that strategy before you spend a single dime. The other way we do this is through our agency of record service. This is a partnership with you where we're able to reach out to publishers on your behalf to negotiate better pricing, to execute on media campaigns, uh, and really act as an extension of your team. Some of the benefits that our clients have seen working with Practive Talents Recruitment Marketing Services is an overall reduction of 30% cost per applicant. That's really significant. It's showing that we're able to leverage great technology, programmatic, and we're also flexible and scalable. We're platform agnostic. We're always gonna use whatever the greatest and latest technology is, whatever the best platforms are to help create efficiencies in your media purchasing so that you're always on the cutting edge. For more information on Proactive Talent, visit them online at proactivetalent.com or click the link in the podcast description. Don't know if you are up on the Basecamp controversy, so let me give you just a little 30,000 foot view. Uh, Basecamp is a company that proclaimed that their office was a politics-free zone, 
there was some online backlash. Uh, online support um, was there for the company from people like uh, Brian Armstrong, who's the CEO of Coinbase, who did something similar with his company. And there was also a backlash because 30% uh, of the employees of that company decided to leave because of that. Uh, online, there was a lot of a bit of a frenzy where some people were saying, yes, that was the right thing to do. Other people are like, no, you did that totally all wrong. And even though all of the uh, banter online was focused on the politics free zone, there's really more to this story. Uh, part of it is that they took away a lot of their uh, benefits, a lot of the things that make them a unique culture. And we were talking about that at our proverbial water cooler. And as we talked about it, we thought, you know what, this would be a great podcast. So uh, we said, yeah, let's do that. So here we are. And in this podcast are several of my tribal members. Will, introduce yourself. Hey, Will Staney, founder and CEO. Woo, Courtney. Courtney Lane, principal consultant over hiring services. Greg, if you please. Hey, everybody. Greg Fonts is here, uh, lead consultant over our DEI practice. Pete. Hey, everyone. Pete Lawson, VP of Growth and Client Services. And in your very, very cool voice, Brittany, introduce yourself. Brittany King, resident hope dealer and people and talent manager. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we are laughing at each other. Listener, you can't see that because uh, this is audio, not video. But there you go. Greg's <laughs> like <laughs> hashtag paper jam. I need all I can get. Uh, this is interesting. Um, because you have the politics story, which is what all the, the media was, was lashing on. But then you also have the disintegration of culture. If a company is going to do away with the different perks and things that make them a unique company, then what separates them from everybody else? I'm going to ask Will. Well, what would separate a company? What, what, what makes them unique if they're going to do away with all the stuff that makes them a unique culture? Yeah, I think what's confusing to me, and it's this, this story really caught me off guard, was that, you know, Basecamp was like the woke Silicon Valley you know, company that everybody looked to their, their founders wrote like five books on company culture. And they, you know, they employees had a, a voice at the table uh, around decisions that were made at the company. And so it, it was really interesting to, to understand. I had to do a lot of research to really understand like why this pivot all of a sudden. And I feel like, you know, there was a great introduction, Jim, but it, from what I understand is they were looking at their own internal DEI and there was some problematic stuff going on and that got to be a heated discussion. And it seemed like just from the, the backstory to me, like this was a, a very quick executive reaction and just said, you know what, like all these current social events that are happening, it's distracting. There's too much, you know, bickering going on in our base camp streams. Uh, like, you know what, no more politics, right? Like I thought this was a, a no more politics rule but when you looked at it like they got rid of ergs they're saying like you know now that is uh, our head of hr that makes decisions on how we uh, focus on dei and things like that they um so it, it was more than just a no politics but it seemed like the media went to town just saying that you know base camp says no more politics and then so employees are leaving and i'm like that's not the whole story right yeah exactly that exactly that it a couple of things popped in my head too. And I, when I saw that, I said, okay, everybody who left, they're going to be a lot of recruiters online <laughs> recruiting. Uh, they're going to say, okay, you're leaving Basecamp. We'll take you. And I know there were several 
companies that did. But I, I also was curious, and I'm asking Greg this, uh, the effect of the of uh, the whole DNI equity thing when Basecamp said we're done with all that stuff. Uh, what what was your reaction to that? Yeah, I think You're for me. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Um, I think for me, just hearing that, um, it's disappointing. Right. You know, as Will mentioned, you know, they had put out things, they had written books about it. You know, they're a leader, you know, in Silicon Valley as it relates to this work. And then in almost an instant, based upon a reaction, a couple of things that have happened. uh, Now they're making these, you know, decisions to where they're canceling politics and all these other things that are happening. And so, you know, it feels like individuals are being blindsided, you know, because at one point they're developing this trust towards base camp hey, they love being a part of this organization that is forward thinking, culturally relevant, practicing inclusion at the top is at the highest level. And then next thing you know, it's taken away from them. And so what really comes down was the motivation behind it at, you know, from the outset. Why was Basecamp ever really focused on DEI? Was inclusion, belonging, really ever a value of the organization, the company? Um, And based upon this reaction, these set of events that have happened, the reaction and response is it it wasn't. It's not. And so I think there's a lot of, of... of, of hurt and harm that has happened. Because when you're doing inclusion and when you're an organization that puts those values out, what comes along with being um, inclusive is also a level of vulnerability that comes with that. And so being able to be vulnerable you know, with supervisors, being able to be vulnerable in employee resource groups throughout your process, all of those things, um, that's what individuals are doing. And then when this is taken away and this practice is, these series of events are antithetical to the idea Ideas of inclusion, it, it causes a lot of harm and, and and distrust. So for me, I was actually just discouraged um, and disappointed that this happened. Yeah, I mean, it kind of comes to like psychological safety is so important if for highly productive teams. And here are people who thought they had, you know, very, you know, very secure psychological safety to like. And there's so much that's been going on this past year, right? We've been through a pandemic, racial inequality you know, uh, police brutality, like, you know, so much, uh, so much things, uh, you know, further inequality within our economy, just, you know, added fuel to the fire this pandemic has, right? And and then, so of course, there's even in our own digital halls here at Pratt Talent, there's been discussions as things are happening and letting people talk about it, like to just all of a sudden say, yeah, we're not, you just come in here and do your job, and, you know, we're going to pay for that job, but we're going to make all the business decisions now was just like very much of a whiplash for me. Well, to understand. And it, yeah. And it, and it, in my head, I sit there and say to have 30% of your employee base within a very short span of time, say I'm out, I'm done. To me, that signals that while there may have been all the appearances of the right culture, that it wasn't really there, that it was inauthentic. Because if I felt like authentically felt like the team that I was with, the organization I was with was trying to do the right thing. And maybe this was a misstep. I would want to be a part of helping them get back there. But to have that like quick break, I feel like there had to have already been this undertone there of people just not feeling like it was genuine, that it wasn't really real, that there, we were doing a lot of talking about it and virtue signaling about it, but that wasn't the real experience people were having. Cause I, I don't know, maybe I'm alone. I just feel like if my entire experience with the company had been really powerful and I felt like they got it and they were, they were trying to do the right thing. And then they made this kind of decision. 
it wouldn't be so easy to just leave just like that. There, there, there had to have been something that was quietly building to have that kind of a, a shedding of employees right off, like, you know, so quickly. Well, like Jim, you did a whole tribe TV episode around yep. politics and a blog about no politics in the office. Like why politics in the office is probably not a good idea. Like, so like we kind of understand the whole, not no politics thing. Like don't take, don't get personal politics. That's, that's a difficult thing to navigate, you know, but, yeah. but that doesn't seem like this is what that was. Right. Like, no, it, it seemed like there was a bit more to it. Uh, and it made me wonder, uh, to what, to Courtney's point, and, and I'll probably pitch this to you, Brittany, um, do you think companies really value diversity as much as they say they do, or is it just the virtue signaling that, that Courtney was talking about? So I think Courtney, like she literally took the words out of my mouth because I would describe it as inauthentic for me for for a workforce to say I'm out of here when something like that happens to me, that's indicative of a culture that was already on the brink of falling apart. And people looking at an opportunity to really get out and find somewhere better. I think a lot of companies put these, you know, super cute benefits. I think that Basecamp calls them gotcha benefits, <laughs> but they put these benefits in place that make you feel like you're a part of a culture. But I think the very fact that they are now pushing, you know, all of HR to make this one decision about what diversity, equity, and inclusion or anything like disbanding their task force on different issues, to me, that's problematic. And I think far and wide companies have this policy of like a prima facie policy. So on the face of things, we care about diversity, we care about inclusion, and we care about equity. But when it makes us a little bit uncomfortable, we will pull the plug. And I think that is across the board. And I think that's so true to what a lot of companies do that I've seen. I've, and I've said this before, but I think when you get, as an organization, when you get to a point where you're making decisions in the boardroom without feedback from those in the break room or concern about those in the break room, because to me, that doesn't feel like genuine concern. It feels like you're making the decision and I don't have a say. And that's one of the things that, I love about proactive talent, not to put the shameless plug, but shameless plug. I always talk to candidates about our culture at the top. The fact that Will has office hours, not just open door policy. It's like, no, schedule the meeting. Let's talk about the hard things. Let's be serious about having these conversations that may be hard, but make us better. So for me, I think it's just, I think it's a ploy to appear good, but if it's at all going to affect their bottom line or how they would like to be perceived, they will quickly change that appearance and pull the plug. Right. Cause this, that's really what kind of spurred this on, right. Was that they were doing their own internal stuff. They found like this list, some employees were kind of offended by this list. And then when the founders were approached by it, that's when things got really heated. That's when this kind of came to a head. And like, to me, that's like, well, obvious it's, it, 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 then it, you're right. It's not genuine because you're not even willing to be vulnerable yourself as a founder, CEO of this company and face the own, you know, the, the inequalities or discrimination that might actually have existed. And come on, we work with a lot of startup startups in Silicon Valley. They start, you hire all your friends first and then you go to your, out, your network and then you start to finally build recruiting products. Like, yeah. like any startup, I'm sure they started in a bubble, right? Uh, culturally. And then they've made over time, these conscious efforts to be more diverse and, Given more employee voices, and then, you know, once they finally are 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 battling with what kind of DI organization they want to be, you know, once it gets hard and real, that's the time you dig in, not the time you just say you throw in the towel, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. and and I think what's you know one of the thing I want to you know make mention too is that 
you know, Brittany, you mentioned about it being inauthentic. Well, I, I want to suggest, you know, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, right? Because I think that there are genuine people in the base camp organization really yeah. trying to do DEI well and do it Absolutely. right. And I think one of the challenges or one of the things that I've come across is that those individuals who are responsible for HR, people operations, their own divisions and areas, they may actually be doing DEI well. They may actually be doing these strides. And at one point, it didn't harm the founders. It didn't harm those in the C-suite. It was, it was okay to have these certain benefits in place. But I think that as the our nation has really been, you know, on this, DEI has really be, been a heavier thing and noticing that these things came out around the time where the Derek Chauvin trial was going on. Mm -hmm. All of these things are happening. So now there's a different conversation where different people are in the room now to where I wonder, and I'm just wondering, what about their investors? What about their board? Did they now have influence in these decisions that sort of trumped those individuals who were making those strides for DEI, such as the task force, those, you know, HR folks, people operations, et cetera, et cetera. I wonder now, did they have conversations in those really upper level rooms to where now it changes and it, it sort of steps over all the work that other people have been doing. And so I wonder how did that come into play? You know, because those are things that we may not have been privileged to, but I will say that, you know, I think that there may have been an authenticity that many were leaning in, but when, as the rubber met the road, and now these founders are placed in these positions to where now their investors, their board are now talking, that may have, that may have changed some things. So I just wanted to, to add that wrinkle into the conversation. Well, I think it's a really fair point. And I think like um, to that end, like sort of thinking about like the, the authenticity level. And I think you're right that it had to have been there at some point. I think it's when that, that difficult conversation needed to happen when it, when it was no longer easy to lean into it and, and it took an active effort. That's maybe where it started to get a little bit shaky. And, and maybe that's where some of the signs of it were before. I think, you know, some, there were some particular leaders that got pointed out in conversation that, you know, uh, it wasn't a one-time mis misspeaking that, that occurred, you know, that they had a history of um, maybe not living the values that the company was saying, you know, was their expectation of, of how people showed up. And, you know, probably some of the stuff was distracting. I bet there were conversations on politics and stuff that were happening around the election and other stuff that people were getting really heated, you know, in their internal channels. And I, I totally understand like locking that down. Right. But, mm. you know, I'm yeah, still that's, just having a hard where, time understanding how it got this far, you know? Yeah. That's, I'm wondering, I was just going to say, I think that's where a lot of these conversations are happening in silos, especially at the leadership level where it's like, well, yeah, culture, belonging, DEI. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Let's talk business though. Where like, no, those are like, that, that's a, that should be merged. That's a one conversation. Like, you know, to your point of boardroom versus break room, if you're truly living an authentic culture and inclusive culture, you know, you're talking about your, your top and bottom line in those boardrooms and like what the impact it, it has, you know, on your customers from a DEI lens and then on your internal employees. And so, I think, you know, last year was, you know, and it continues the, the you know, the, the conversation around this is evolved. I feel like we've jumped ahead 10 years on people just being able to have these conversations. You know, I once lived in a world where like, 
you couldn't even have that conversation at a dinner table, you know, in my house growing up, like, well, we don't talk about that here, you know? And I feel now, you know, I had a conversation with, with my dad a week ago that I'm like, I feel like we've gone a hundred years forward. I'm like how we can talk about these things and, um, and, you know, have these really, really tough conversations uh, around these topics that, you know, have existed in our entire lifetime generations. And now that's, you know, that's being put into the, the, the culture within uh, organizations and companies. And when I talk to, and even like my parents on like what we talk about at work and how we have these conversations, they're just blown away because it's you know, from a much different generation where, you know, you don't discuss those things. And, and so I understand that point of view, but I also think like a lot of times when I've been involved in some executive meetings myself um, and I see where some of those silos can appear of like, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the DEI strategy later. It's like, no, we're actually talking about it now and how we're growing our business. It should be inclusive of everything that we're doing. And I think a lot of times people really compartmentalize those things. Um, I, one thing I want to ask you all is like, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, I see some theories that this was like a way to kind of force 30% attrition to try to clean up the organization, you know, so having one of these kind of like shakeup moments. So like, if you want to build this kind of culture, I guess, good for you. <laughs> good luck. But like, I, I saw, you know, this was possibly a vehicle for, for letting people kind of find the door themselves without having to kind of have to deal with some sort of a, uh, a forced exit. But I, I don't know what your yeah, that thoughts makes it even that. worse for me. <laughs> like that right. makes it so much more yucky for me. Like it, it makes me think there should be a has hashtag that says hashtag bottom line Trump's belonging. Because yep. if you think about an organization at a very fundamental level, the lifeblood of the business, thus impacting the bottom line are employees. And so if you don't care enough, like Courtney said, to have these hard conversations, what does that really mean? Like, I, I, I think about this with my kids being a parent who's like, hey, guys, I care about you. Don't say anything to me. Pete, to your point, in generations past, especially being a Black woman, it's like you are to be seen and not heard as a child. You do not interrupt. But now creating this new culture where it's like I am just as much a person as you are. You, re you deserve respect just as much as I do. And really having this restorative justice lens to the way that we do things. If you think about the six of us here, whether it was two of us or three of us or you know one-on-one, -on -one, we've had some difficult conversations with each other because we look at each other as a tribe and we really believe like, if someone doesn't need to be in the tribe, let's have that conversation and communicate to them why, thus holding ourselves accountable to, to um, be serious about our one of our core values, Kaizen, continuous learning, in like integrity. So we will do those things that are difficult because we are favoring the long-term and where we wanna be. So I don't know if that was a thing, it seems very plausible, but it is yucky. And I think it will perpetuate the culture that they're trying to perhaps eliminate. And I think that's a really good point. It, it does seem like short-term thinking. Like, I wonder if they even like talked with the board about this before making this, this, it seemed like pretty quick call, right? Like uh, to, to make that shift. And you know, it's something I say all the time. You've heard me say this a million times, but like companies are communities. <laughs> they are just a group of humans and, and, and it, they aren't widgets, right? That you can decide how you want to use that widget. Like they, you really do have to create an atmosphere where people want to bring their full selves. And this was a company that really kept echoing that for a long time. And then all of a sudden said, you know what, leave parts of you at home when you come to work. Well, I think Brittany's 
visceral reaction to the, the floating of the idea that they would have done it as a shakeup yeah. is the same reaction that so many potential candidates would have to a company as well. Because if I were to think a company were to, to, to choose that as their behavior to exit a, a group of the, out of the organization, there is no amount of anything you could throw my way to make me want to come and now work for that company. And so I think like it, it's, I know we're just playing with like a, you know, a, a potential, we have a hypothetical, we have no idea. But to me, I think Brittany's reaction is like spot on to how anybody's reaction or a lot of people's reaction would be to be like, oh, that seems like, you know, sort of awful. And why would I want to go work for a company that they're not going to have an honest conversation with me or give me a decent, you know, sort of exit after putting in so much time and energy, they would instead try and make me mad and leave the door, you know, leave, stomp out of the room, basically. Like, let's make you choose to exit rather than us owning that this is a decision we're making on our side. That's interesting you say that because uh, it makes me wonder too. Um, I can agree that uh, we're a tribe and, and people should have a voice inside the company. Uh, the question I think some people who are listening may have the the the, the Monty Burns of the of the world maybe <laughs> maybe saying yes I listen to them but how much should I listen to them and uh, get a couple of examples of what I mean by saying that so there were different companies different employees at different companies that scheduled walkouts because of political beliefs. Um, the CEO of Oracle, Larry Ellison, he had a fundraiser for Donald Trump and, and uh, several of his workers walked out or stopped working for like an unannounced for like an hour. Uh, Facebook also walked out because they didn't like that Facebook did not cancel Trump fast enough. Um, and then you have um, people at Amazon who uh, don't like how much carbon emissions that they're generating with their work. So they're saying, you know what, Amazon isn't being green enough so we're going to walk off of our jobs here. And then you have another example of Microsoft employees saying, okay, we don't want you to do work with the Pentagon uh, because you're, we, didn't, we don't work for you to help develop weapons. So Microsoft uh, lost out on a $400 million contract because of all the controversy. So my question for, for uh, people who aren't here is that, I hear what you're saying. I need to listen to my employees. Their voices matter to me. But let's say in the case of Microsoft, should I listen at the cost of $400 million deals? Or should I try to find some kind of compromise? Or maybe just throwing this out there. Should the values be so absolute in the company that certain scenarios wouldn't even come up in the first place? Right? So uh, throwing that out there. What, what are reactions to that? Because I'm thinking that um, companies should listen to their employees to uh, an extent or have some kind of agreement beforehand, but you're looking at $400 million, that's a, that's a touchy situation. Yeah. It, it is touchy. And I think for me, it's really about where does your value lie? Mm. Are, you, are you valuing the $400 million contract more than the people in your organization? Mm-hmm. And if the question, if the answer is, hey, I want the $400 million contract, then what you've done is you've put a value, you've put a limit on what people are worth. Mm-hmm. To me, yeah. that's problematic. To mm-hmm. me, that is the psychology of slavery. To me, that is the psychology of oppression. To put a value of something, whether it's yourself, uh, uh, pride yourself, goals, your contracts, to put that over people, that is the psychology of slavery. 
Yeah, especially if that four hundred million dollar contract, it, it's not. You're such a big company that it's not enough to do any kind of significant damage. You know, like though, I mean, there was a case that they were making where it's like, hey, that four million that that's more jobs and more people, right? That we can and we can do better benefits, right? Like, as a CEO and owner, I I understand it. I think it comes down to trust and context, mm-hmm. right? You have to trust your employees, right? That they give, but you have to first inspire them to believe in what you're trying to build too. Right. And, 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 but then you have to give them the context that they don't have at your level. Like when, when you're, when you're entrusting and giving the responsibility to employees to make certain, certain decisions, you now have a responsibility to give them enough information and context to help you in making those decisions. And you can't always do that. You can't always do that. It is, it is difficult. And, you know, it's why you hear me say a lot when we're talking about building our sales and marketing engine here, when we're talking about bringing, it's like, we got to feed the tribe, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I, as an owner, I look at all my employees like, this is my, this is my team. This is my family. I'm here to, to create consistency and a, a good experience and, you know, financial security for all of us here. I think about your kids. Like, like I take that personal responsibility and that's just different. And you, we can go into a whole diatribe about the downfalls of, 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 of sort of the profit at, at all cost uh, brand of capitalism and how it hurts companies. But I think this is an, another example of that, right? Like if there's got to be a happy medium where you're taking in the feedback of employees in, around a mission and that your mission has to be more important than money. At some point, People in my situations who are CEOs, who are steering companies, have to think about businesses more than profit. That mm-hmm. business is impact, business is values. You know, it, it's something, it's got to be more than that. Um, but decisions like this made by companies make me go, there, we're still. We're still in capitalism one, you know, V1 right now. Yeah. And yeah. for me, it's not even like, I think some people would, would, um, make the case that this is about people having the right to their opinions or -hmm. their beliefs or whatever. And to me, that's like just the surface of what this issue really is, because it's not about if you agree with this or if you agree with that, or if I'm pro this and you're anti this, that's not, that's not what it is. Um, Will, to your point, I think whenever an organization gets to the point where their mission and their focus on one person, whether that be the CEO or the person that's mad about emissions, is greater than the value for the entire, greater than the the, um, entire group or the entire organization, that's when you kind of get in the land of being dangerous. So to take that a step further, our policy here is that no one member of our tribe is greater than the whole. So that means we look out for everyone. I don't come into a call with Will at a higher level than I'll come into a call with a potential candidate that I'm speaking with. I give the same grace, I give the same respect, no matter what their opinions are, no matter what their beliefs are, because let's be honest, like we live in the, in, a, in the digital age. And so we see vitriol all day, every day. And I think people want to, first of all, I feel like we um, live in a culture where people want to be outraged about stuff. I feel like that's pervasive to our culture right now. But at the very same time, I think when organizations become of the mind frame that Will mentioned of really caring about people and not ascribing to the psychology of slavery, our world will be better. But you can't, I mean, if you think of it at a very organic level, you can't um, be a company that's about its people if 
you don't pay attention to what the people say. If you don't give them the opportunity to voice what they're feeling and to share, like I need, I need a place for that. And to me, um, making one person responsible, Greg, to your earlier point, that seems like a lofty task. It just seems like a lofty t- to own that level of responsibility because you think yeah, about how we're head of HR. My God, yeah, like what a how do you do that? How do you do that? Right. And I've said in organizations where I didn't like who do I go to if I need to get this? I don't know where to go. So are we saying the ultimate decision maker on uh, say stick with the Microsoft example because they can afford to lose four hundred million? <laughs> um, is it that? We say, okay, I'm, I'm put. I'm gonna put two. I'm put an angel on your shoulder and a devil on your shoulder. I let you know. I let you figure out which is which, right? On one side, you're saying, this is four hundred million dollars. If we just take this money and um, we can do so, we can do a lot of good in the company. We can do some other stuff. If we don't take this amount of money, then I might have to lay some people off, or I might have to cut certain benefits because we can't afford it even though we're Microsoft, but even though with the $400 million, we can pay salaries, we can pay benefits, we can clear some bills and get a little bit of breathing room before the next quarter. Um, or we can stick to our guns and just walk away from the $400 million and hope, and hope that another $400 million deal comes along. And if the answer is, I'm going to still walk away from $400 million because I know the, the whole tribe will be against it, then at what point does the leadership of the company belong to the C-suite versus belonging to the employees or is, or should it be a combination? All I said one. a lot in that. Pete. All one. Yeah, no, all one. I think like, you know, to your earlier question, I think if you're building values uh, in, in a culture that is inclusive of uh, the employees uh, having a say in it, and it's not just in some silo in a boardroom, like here's our values, throw them on the wall. Everybody believe like it's gotta be everyone. So like, if you're truly building those in the authentic way of having like strong values within your organization that people really feel like they created, they're plugged into, then that's like, that should keep you, hopefully your true North on where some of these topics come up and be your barometer for how you react to them. And if it's outside of that, then then you give that back to your people to help make the decision. So for, for this example, it's all right, here's, here's the devil and the angel, here's the pros and cons as an organization. You know, the cons, yeah, some of you might not be here if we decide not to do this, but here's the honest truth. Um, it's a good contract. Here's the bad. And you give everybody the opportunity to kind of weigh in on that. Um, you know, I, I don't, then then I would say give that uh, opportunity for people to make that call themselves. I mean, you that's know, you the think trust in context I of, was talking about, right? Mm-hmm. You think of the voice, them. like yeah. we can make a decision in one night of like, who's the semifinalist on the voice, like with like a click of a text, right? Like mm-hmm. You can, you can figure out vehicles. I don't take that. Like, you know, I think I, I, I don't take it seriously when people are like, well, it's really hard to, you know, how do you engage a hundred thousand employees on how to make such a big decision like this? Like, you know, again, the I, voice example, like we I, can choose semifinalists in five minutes. So like we could figure out a way to, you know, figure out a way within your culture to do that. But um, it's a matter of how bad you want it. Yeah. How yeah, bad do totally. you want it? And what I hear from what I heard from Pete is that having a true north, having a certain set of values that you're going to stick to. And if you don't stick to them, are they really your values? Right. And well, so- if you don't stick to them, there's the consequence to that, which means yeah. you will have 30% of your employees choose to leave because you've not stayed true to who you were and the values that you espouse were your values. So it's, 
it's a, you know, there's always a consequence and, and that's both at the business level and the, in the, you know, the individual level, um, you know, there's, you know, there is that choice to, to leave an organization if you don't feel like what their, their values don't align with you, or they're not living the values that, you know, do align with you, whatever the case may be. But that applies to the company too. If, if you choose to do something that's outside of the promise that you've made in your mission and values to your employees, then you can't be surprised or hurt or offended or bothered that they call you out on it by choosing to go somewhere else. So what, yeah. we'll just, they gave them opportunity though, right? They, 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 yeah. they, they did this change and, and then they, they, that should be said just for those who aren't following that story closely. They, yeah. they offered a package to anybody who wants to leave and, and 30% or more uh, opted to take it. Yeah. And, but even with that though, that's, they knew they were wrong. Like they didn't just, Hey, this is our decision. It is what it is. No, as they were talking amongst them, they had to come to the conclusion and say, Hey, we're going to make this decision. We know that it's going to ruffle feathers. We know that we're going to lose people. So let's go ahead and develop this severance package. You don't develop no severance package. And right. Yeah. They were prepared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they knew they were wrong. Like really yeah. solid point there. Yeah. It's a very <laughs> good point. <laughs> let, 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 me, let me ask you this, Greg. Let me ask you this, Greg. All right. Because this, again, it's another Monty Burns question. There's going to be someone listening and they'll say, you know what? Uh, well, let's just donate some money to fill in the blank. And we'll do a big press release and we say, look, we're not bad guys. We gave a million dollars to fill in the blank. So we're really good people. Don't look at the money. Don't look at what's over here. And then eventually what's over there will come out. Um, how do you think that really uh, affects someone's employer brand? If they say, let's just throw some money at a cause and it'll make it go away. What, what do you think nothing. about that? In, in my opinion, it does nothing. Sure, exactly. you, you have money, you can donate it and that's great. Um, but were you there in the trenches? Did you really have impact? Like to me, it does nothing. Like I can donate all day to X organization and not really care. In fact, I might not even know that I even donated to this organization because many of them don't even know. They probably have their accountants. You all take care of it. Wherever you donate is fine with me. Put my name on it. It's great. That does nothing for an organization. What does for an, what what does something for an organization is an organization that says, "Hey, I've given money, but I also was present, and this is how I'm active." Sure, I can give a hundred thousand dollars to the NAACP, for example. I give a hundred thousand dollars. But did I also work with the NAACP to create pipelines of jobs and, and bridge programs so that individuals can now have access to what my company offers? That's a different conversation. That says a whole lot more than just donating money. I keep donating, donating money, in my opinion, is the easy thing to do. Yeah, I keep hearing yeah. value, value, stick to your values. Um, yeah. How often, Will, in, in the conversations you've had with different clients and prospects and whatnot, has uh, corporate values come up? I mean, every single time, right? Every EV mm. engagement that we have, right? And I, I can tell you, it's it's really interesting. You can tell, you know, w- which companies um, are are battling with this right away, right? It's the ones that are coming to us saying we're really having a hard time attracting talent. Um, we're also having some attrition issues. And the first thing I said is, well, cool, do you have established values? You know, if we're talking about an employer brand engagement and they're like, yeah, but you know, they're, they're really... They were developed in the boardroom. They don't even, they're not even shared beliefs. Like we were working with a company where one of their values was like, you know, take on the mobile, you know, you know, you know, the, the, the mobile era or something like that. And it's like, that's not, that's a goal, right? Hmm. Not a value. Right. And so 
they, they weren't even getting that part right. And so of course they're having attrition. Of course they're, you know, they're, they're having a hard time attracting talent because they hadn't even done the foundational work of figuring out like, what are our shared values as a company? And that that's like first, like first thing, right? And the earlier you do it as a company founder, the better uh, to decide like, what are you about and what are your values and what do you want the company's values to be? And what kind of culture do you want to be? I think we were for decades stuck in this mode, especially in this, the tech startup community where, you know, this stuff was secondary and we kind of looked up at our company when it become hundred to 150 people and it was getting harder to recruit and go like, oh, what is our culture, right? Oh, this is our culture. Ooh, we got to fix this. It's like, well, if you're really intentional about what you're trying to do, if you weren't just thinking about how can we make money with this business idea and you actually thought about also, I need money to sustain this impact I want to make on the world. Right. And I feel like, at least for me and my own entrepreneurial journey as a CEO, like I, I built proactive talent as a reaction to what I didn't like about the corporate world. So I literally started this company with an intention that it was going to be a lifestyle company so that I can have the work life balance I wanted to have and make the impact and effect that I want to have. And I wanted to, you know, attract other people that wanted that lifestyle too. And that's just fundamentally different. And I think more of these new companies with that idea on this, more social good companies who are really care, you know, is equally about impact as they do profit, they're coming. You know, I really think that we're, we're, we're turning a corner here of social consciousness as a, as a society, and we'll see more companies like this. I'm hopeful for that. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I we're, thought culture was snacks. Wait a minute. <laughs> snack you offer. And foosball. No, no, but, but I will say that that client that, that, didn't, that didn't have the values and stuff like that, we had to pause the engagement and we had to wait for them to do that work or you know, gave them data. They did that work. Guess what? They came back later on, like a year later. Well, we did this work. We did some changes in the leadership team. Like now we're talking, we went back, we did the employment, we executed it, and it was great. And employees were engaged and, and you know, like you can fix this too. Like not all companies started this way, but any company can can decide to do to do it the right way. You know? A company is more than profit. Uh, have values and stick to them. Have their uh, brand in mind as you form your company and as you do things. And diversity, inclusion, and equity should be a little bit of everything. It's not just one thing. And it's certainly not something you can sort of just buy off with a donation. <laughs> uh, lots of good points here. Man, I'm going to have to listen to this podcast as soon as I end this. <laughs> just like get more of that. Thank you, guys. Um, for our listeners, if you would, everybody say bye on count of three. One, two, three. Bye. Of course you're going to listen to it again. You have to edit it now. (laughs) What is that too? (laughs) You've been listening to Tripod. If you love what you heard, hate what you heard, or don't know what you just heard, we want to know about it. Send your email to tripod, T-R-I-B-E-P-O-D, at proactivetalent.com. Operators are standing by.